But I want you to join in with me. And we, we want to go to the Lord on behalf of our nation and also on behalf of our children. Father, today we stand before you, Lord, as uh, citizens of the United States of America. And Lord, uh, people who have a heart for, for seeing your will done and, and your purpose accomplished in this nation. And Lord, in a time where there's uh, great upheaval and great unrest, we come to you and stand before you and lift up holy hands to you, O God. We say, O God, may there be peace in our nation. May there be peace in our nation. Lord, I pray, Father, for people that are on both sides of the election, those that, 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 that got what they wanted and those that did not get what they wanted. Father, I pray, Lord, for all of us, Lord, that we would work together with our eyes focused on you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that people that disagree would look for common points of agreement. Father, I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that out of the, the middle uh, of an attempt, uh, which is always the attempt of the enemy, for the enemy is the divider, I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that, that, that out of this, that, that we can stand together as a nation to a level greater than ever before. Lord, that, that we would stand together with our eyes focused on Jesus, who is the only answer. For we know no party is the answer. No candidate is the, is the answer to our nation. Only God Almighty is the answer to our nation. And so, Lord, I pray that the gospel would spread and the word would spread. And people who have thought so much and focused so much on, on what party is the answer or what, what, what person's ideas are the solution to the nation. I thank you, Lord, that there would be a realization in all of our hearts that it's only God's word and God's thoughts that are the solution for this nation and any other nation of the world. Father, we thank you, Lord, that, that, that we would be the United States and not the divided states and that the purposes of God would be accomplished. Lord, this we sincerely pray today. And Father, we pray for our children who are about to go to class today. Father, we pray for them, Lord, that they would be filled with the Word of God, filled with insight, filled with wisdom, filled with knowledge. I thank you, Lord, that as they are having the Word of God imparted to them today, Lord, that they are part of the, the generation that now is, as well as the generation that is to come. For, Lord, they don't have to wait for a certain day down the road to have impact. Thank you, Lord, they can have impact this very day. And we pray, Lord, that they are blessed, that they are ministered to, well-fed by the Word of God, and ready to leave this place and be a doer of the Word. We send them out with a blessing today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, let the church say amen. amen. You know, <laughs> somebody sings a song. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. But uh, I got something to tell you today. What the church needs now is unity. Can I have a witness in the house today? And that's what we're going to talk about this very day. What the church needs now is unity. John chapter 17. That'll be our starting point today. I, you, you know, th this is a prayer that Jesus prayed, and, you know, it's just an amazing thought for any of us to think that we could actually be an answer to Jesus' prayer. <laughs> I mean, how many of you, that just goes right over your head. It's like, wow, you know, I never thought of myself in that light that I could ever in any way be an answer to the prayer of Jesus, but we can be. Let's look at what he said as he was praying what is called his great high priestly prayer. To the Father in John 17. He said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved 
me. The prayer of Jesus is that we, his followers, would be one, even as he and the Father are one. And what happens, what happens that uh, in that last verse, verse 23, he said that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know. Someone say that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Something about our unity will allow the world to know what they need to know about who Jesus is. Did, did you realize that? Did, did you know that was true? Right along with that is something else Jesus said in the Gospel of John in the 13th chapter, that all men will know that you're my disciples by the love you have one for another. So it's interesting. By the love we have for one another, the, whole, the world will know that we're his disciples. By our unity, the world will know that God sent Jesus and has loved Jesus, uh, that, that, that God loves us in the same way that he loves Jesus. That is an amazing thought. So today I want to go ahead and uh, talk to you on the subject of what the, the church needs now is unity. And first of all, I want to talk to you about the location of unity, which in some places it's a uh, physical location, but, but really it's, it's the location of where we're at, where, wherever we're gathered. That's the location. And uh, so, so in this place here, this can be the location of unity today if we were gathered somewhere else, but we were in unity it could be the location of unity. If we were gathered here today but not in unity, then obviously it would not be a location of unity. But let's take a look at this. This is Psalm 133. An amazing song. A song of ascents. The great thing about an, an ascent is an ascent's going up. So that's a psalm to take you up. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Someone say there. There is the location of unity, where unity is, where brethren dwell together in unity. And of course, brethren means the sistren too. Come on now. That is where the Lord commands his blessing. And that's also where the oil flows. And I got to tell you, one reason, and this is a big reason. Why we as a church cannot afford to have disunity among us is that we so desperately need the Lord to command his blessing on us and we so desperately need that oil to be flowing. If the oil's not flowing, and what is the oil? The oil is the anointing. If the anointing is not flowing, then what do we have? We have nothing but an ineffective organization when God has instead called us to be a living organism. Did somebody hear that? If we don't have the anointing flowing, we are an ineffective organization when God's called us to be a living organism. You see, uh, there's, there's something about us being what God's called us to be that can only be accomplished by unity. It's interesting how love and unity, as I mentioned earlier, is such an evangelistic tool more than we ever realized. That, that by us dwelling together in unity and walking in love with each other, that that's a way for, for not just the world to know who we are, but more importantly for the world to know who he is. And, and, and this is the way that that is demonstrated. And also, this is the, the, by us dwelling together in unity, that's the way for us to be as salty as we need to be. Remember, you're the salt of the earth. We don't want to lose our flavor. 
And you see, when we get divided, we lose our flavor. But when we're united and we're, we're together as one, as, as what Peter described in 1 Peter 2, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Did you know you're part of a nation? And I know we got people in this house from many nations of the world, but I want you to know that in reality, wherever you're from, when you're in the kingdom of God, you're part of one nation, and that's God's holy nation. You may be an American. You may be from Nigeria. You may be from Jamaica. You may be from Honduras. You may be from China. You may be from Japan. You may be from Ghana. You may be from uh, uh, Great Britain or France. But wherever you're from, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you are part of the holy nation. Hallelujah. And, And so when we understand that, then we understand that, that, that our, our first priority and our first loyalty is never to a, a nation on earth anyhow. Our first loyalty is always to the nation that we're ultimately a part of. That's God's holy nation, the kingdom of God. Our loyalty is to him before it's to any other nation, before it's going to any other party. It's only to him first, and then from there, then then we've got people that are excited to be from here, excited to be from here, excited to be a citizen of one nation or the other. But that can't take first place. What needs to take first place is that we are fellow citizens of heaven, citizens of the kingdom of God. Glory be to God. Now, it's interesting. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Someone say the location of unity. See, they all were all with one accord in one place. See that? All right, now we can go to verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. Verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Glory be to God. I'll tell you how absolutely amazing it is to think about the fact that when these people, the, the 120 people gathered together in that upper room on the day of Pentecost in one accord, in one place, that that opened the door for the, the Holy Spirit to fall. We see the same thing over in Psalm 133, that the Lord could command his blessing in the place of unity, that the oil could flow in the place of unity. And I got to tell you, that oil is too precious. That oil is too precious for us to be divided in any way as the church. That oil is too precious for us to not guard and protect it and to maintain the atmosphere in which it can flow. Can somebody help me today? Hallelujah. You know, um. The Bible also mentions in Acts 4 that uh, uh, the, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And, and, and what was the end result of that is that there was great power. With great power, the apostles gave witness of the resurrection and great grace was on everybody. So right there in the end of Acts 4, if you look at 32 and 33, you see an instance where, where there was unity. And as a result of unity, you saw great power and great grace. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Why don't we look at Acts 4? And this is earlier in that chapter. This is Acts 4. And uh, this is uh, verse 24. We'll look at verse 24 and then verse 31, back to back. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Now we'll go to verse 31, which is the end of the prayer. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Do you want that kind of stuff? 
Hey, I said, you want it? There's only one way to get it. We saw how they got it in the beginning. They lifted up their voice to God in one accord. Now also that leads us to something else. We see the location of unity, but now this brings us into the communication of unity. That what we just read, that previous verse, you can go, go back to it, verse 24. What did they do? When they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. There's something, family, about raising our voices together to God in one accord. Not just... Not just that our prayers are going in the same direction and hitting the same target, but you don't have one person who's going there and somebody else who's just watching. You, you know, you don't have a few people praying and the others are spectators. No, I'm a believer in the whole group of believers together, lifting up your voices together in one accord to God and aiming your prayers at the same target. Hallelujah. So we see the communication of unity in, in this prayer. And we also see, uh, you can write this reference down, Romans 15, 5 and 6, where we see the, the communication of unity coming through and giving glory to God. Paul wrote in Romans 15, 5 and 6, he said, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's another aspect of our communication of unity. Not just that we're praying in one accord, but our praise, our glorifying of Him is also done in one accord with one mind and one mouth. And along with that, the Bible also tells us that part of the communication of unity is that we speak truth with our neighbor. Can I see Ephesians 4? Ephesians 4, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying. Someone say, put it away. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. Why? For we are members of of one another. To speak truth is vital because as, as a body, as being members of one another, if you're speaking a lie to a member of you, a member that's connected with you, a member of the same body that you're a member of, you know what lies do? Lies will poison the water. If you speak that which is not the truth, and, 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 and if, you, if you go ahead and, and go there, what will happen is, is that will hinder the success of the way the body's designed to work together. But when you speak truth, God knows that when truth is in action, that the body's working on all cylinders. Hallelujah. It's working the way it's supposed to be when truth is being spoken. We are members of one another. If you want to want... Somebody to lie to you, don't lie to somebody else. If you want somebody to be straight with you and tell the truth, be straight with others and tell them the truth. That's what members of one another would do. Amen. Hallelujah. So there we see the location of unity. We see the communication of unity. Now let's check this out. This is great. This is called the multiplication of unity. The multiplication of unity. That unity, when it's happening, causes things to grow. Woo! We saw at first that unity causes things to flow, cause the oil to flow. But just like a, the, the unity of the body causes things to flow, it also causes things to grow. You know that the church between Acts 1.15 and Acts 2.41 went from a group of 120 people to a group of 3,120 people. Growth happened on the very first day of the church. And what was the reason? They were all with one accord. Boy, how vital that is. When, when, when the church was in one accord, they put themselves in a position to grow from 120. 3,000 souls added that same day. They're up to 3,120. Acts 4, they're, they're, they're staying in one accord. That's where we saw that they prayed together in one accord. 
And what happened? You see not just 3,000 saved. You see more than that. You see another 5,000 added. Because unity causes things to grow. Unity is uh, uh, an ingredient that causes life to be infused. That rather than something going backwards or staying still, it causes things to grow. Hallelujah. Colossians 2. Woo! And not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments. Someone say knit together. So when the body is nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, what does it uh, do? It grows with the increase that is from God. No coincidence that when you've got a body that's unified, that's knit together, that in that kind of setting, you can see growth and increase. Hallelujah. Let's take a look at another scripture that shows us the same thing. This is Ephesians. This is chapter 4. But speaking the truth in love, oh, that sounds familiar. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Next verse. From whom the whole body joined and knit together. Someone say knit together. By what every joint supplies. Now, now, just in case you voted the wrong way on question four, I want to let you know that's not talking about the supply of joints. That's talking about every joint supplying something. All right. Yeah, we need to fix somebody right there. No wacky tobacco in this house. You know what I'm saying? All right. Let's start reading the verse again. I got sidetracked here. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth. Someone say causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So once again, we see here that where the body is knit together, where the, the, the joints of the body are supplying what they need to supply, and where there's unity and everything working the way it's supposed to work in the body, what happens? You see growth. That's called the multiplication of unity. See, when every joint brings its supply, the whole body is knit together. And part of unity, listen to this, part of unity is to not deprive the body of what Christ has given you to contribute. I will slap you today. A big part of unity is to not deprive the body of what Christ has given you to contribute. You've got a, 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 a contribution to make. You, as one of the joints in the body, have a supply to bring to the table. So someone say, bring it. Bring Bring it. See, that's the call of God on us. And when the body is working at the full potential that it's supposed to, it's working that way because every part of the body is bringing it. Whatever your it is, you're bringing it. Hallelujah. So we see the location of unity, the communication of unity, the multiplication of unity. Now I want to talk to you about the accommodation of unity. The accommodation, the the word that basically means to make room for. So listen to me. Listen close to this. To walk in unity, we must be willing to accommodate or make room for those who are different from us. Hallelujah. To walk in unity, we must be willing to accommodate, to make room for those who are different from us. I want to read to you a little bit out of uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, uh, what we're going to do is look into part of what was a great uh, elaboration of the Apostle Paul on the body of Christ and, and how the body works and, and, and how the body functions together. 
Verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12 says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact... The body is not one member, but many. Now, at, at that point, Paul started to elaborate on that. And, and he, he, he gave the analogy that, you know, what would the ear say to the hand, I don't have any need of you? Or vice versa. And, and so he was t- talking about the, the, the way the body works together, that you can't have a scenario where you've got members of the body fighting against each other or saying to each other, uh, I, I don't need you. Or and it's an interesting that a lot of times there's really two enemies to unity. One of them is, um, can be, I'm not like you, so I guess I'm not needed. That's one of them. See, one of the enemies of unity comes in the form of, shall we say, an inferiority complex. Well, I'm not an eye. I'm not one of those beautiful brown eyes or beautiful blue eyes or beautiful green eyes, so I must not be important. But it's, it's an enemy to unity for us to say, I'm not like you, so I must not be important or I must not be needed. And the other enemy to unity is, you're not like me, so you must not be as good as I am. So you see, one is going in the direction of thinking less than yourself. One's going the other direction of thinking more than yourself. And both of them are wrong. Because if you're in the body, the body needs you. If you're in the body, that means that God has given you as one of the joints in the body a supply that the body needs. And you are as important as any other member of the body of Christ. Then we see this as we... As we uh, look again in 1 Corinthians 12, but now we'll go down to verse 25, and we see the ultimate goal here. The ultimate goal, that there should be no schism in the body. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Can you sense the oneness? When you read that, does that just stir up a realization in you that that, that you're not an island to yourself? You're not floating through life disconnected from other people and and from any other uh, uh, living organism. But that you are indeed truly part of something that is big, something that is universal. The family that is named both in heaven and here on earth. You are part of of the body of Christ. You are part uh, of, uh, of the, what we called earlier, what Peter described as the holy nation. And this holy nation is comprised of people from every nation. Did you know that? I think people in this house ought to know that real well. And thank the Lord, I'm glad I come to a church like this. Because if I didn't go to a church like this one, I'd tell you it'd be pretty boring. I'm glad to be with people that love Jesus from, from the continents of the world, from Asia and from Africa, from Europe and from South and Central America. Glory to God. Any Aussies in the house? If so, I was going to throw you in the mix. <laughs> but thank God that we can be one together under the banner of the cross. So let's look at Revelation, Revelation 5. So who are we accommodating? Uh, uh, who's in this holy nation? The scripture says, and they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Verse 10. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Glory to God. So who who comprises this holy nation that we're a part of? Let me tell you. 
This is comprised of people out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And what do they have all in common? They've been redeemed. Hallelujah. They've been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same blood we're going to celebrate here in this house today. Look at Revelation 7. Just in case you needed a little extra, who comprises this holy nation? After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Hallelujah. We got a big family. And one of the reasons for the accommodation of unity, the, 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 the need to make room when it comes to unity, is that this holy nation we're a part of includes people from every nation, from, from every tribe, from every people group. You know, you know, one thing that is so beautifully illustrated, and we're going to look at it right now, is Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, you see God moving on Peter to, to get out of his seat, his comfortable seat that he's been sitting in for years. You know, hanging out with his fellow Jewish believers. And, and there, there was a time where, where the, the Lord sent uh, a vision to him, and it was a vision of all this non-kosher food coming out the sky. You know what non-kosher is? He is a Hebrew man, wasn't allowed to eat it. And the voice came with the vision, said, arise and slay and eat. He said, well, Lord, I've, I've never put anything like that in my mouth before. I've never eaten or touched anything that's uh, common or unclean. And what was the voice of God that came back to him? What God has cleansed, don't you dare call unclean. Come on. So let's take a look at this. And what was the, the heart of what God was doing by that vision is that God wanted the gospel not just to be stuck among the, the cozy confines of the Jewish people. God wanted it to go to the nations. And he was starting with the Italians first. I'm not Italian, so I have no... I, I have no reason to say that. I'm just having fun with somebody today. <laughs> so here we go. Acts chapter 10. Now, just to set this up, the, the Lord had already uh, uh, given him some preliminary uh, things of what to expect and, and, and what this was about. But ultimately, look at what he said. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Look at what he says next. Verse 20. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. Someone say, doubting nothing. Someone say, doubting nothing. For I have sent them. Now, you think about this, that there's just a moment in time where, where you know what, if you got a chance to think about doing something, especially something that's out of the box and something that's different from what you've done before and hanging out with people that are different than, than you hung out with before, maybe people from different nations or p people from different races, or, or you, you may be with some people that, uh, you, you know, that, that they stretch out their earlobes a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And, and uh, you know, they, 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 got, they got like the Webster's Dictionary on their left arm or something, and you say, I'm just not used to this. But there's a call from God Almighty that's going out to us to have the accommodation of unity, the willingness to make room, the willingness to go there for doubting nothing. Don't think about it. Don't blink about it. Just go ahead and go. Because I'm in this. I'm in this. I'm into uh, having a tent that, that everybody who believes, everybody who's a follower of God can live under the tent. Hallelujah. Verse 24 to 26, same chapter. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So you see the very same thing God talked to, talked to Peter about, God also talked to Cornelius about it. He was getting them ready. 
Now let's look at this. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. You know what? There's something about us being able to to uh, 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 look at, at, at somebody who may be different from you, either different ethnically, different racially, or even different uh, uh, just as far as overall background. And, and, and you could be Mr. Conservative that was born with a tie on. And, and, and the, the Lord wants to stretch you and hook you up with Mr. Ripped Jeans. You know what I'm saying? And for you to be able to look at each other and both be able to say, I myself am also a man. We're both men. We're both members of the human race. But glory to God beyond that, if we're believers in Jesus, we're more than just part of the human race. We're part of the holy nation. We're part of the royal priesthood. We're part of the universal church. You know, Romans 10 said that there's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord it overall is rich to all who call upon him. Isn't that beautiful? That God not, has not made any distinction. He treats everybody the same. He's rich to everybody. He pours it on everybody. He lavishes it on everybody. Hallelujah. And you see, we know the, the, the Bible talks about the ministry of reconciliation. Isn't that right? And we truly do have a ministry of reconciliation, not one of division. And if we're reconciled with God, we must also be reconciled with each other. See, I cannot refuse to accept one whom God has accepted. I can't refuse to accept somebody when God's accepted them. Like the verse said, what God has cleansed, no man call unclean. We're going to take a look at that right now. That's 13. 13 to 15, Acts 10, same chapter. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Next verse, but Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. But what does the voice say back to him? And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Hallelujah. And you know what? Anybody that has any concern at all about the, the 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 plight of them or their family the safety of them or their family i want you to know something that the scripture says in, in the book of numbers 23 and verse 8 uh when when balak was trying to get balaam to curse the people of god what did he said he said how shall i curse what god has not cursed and how shall i denounce whom the lord has not denounced if you're on the lord's side you don't got nothing to sweat can i tell you today You know, in our political scene, there's people that would uh, be concerned about their plight, uh, uh, if that's the right word, or, or what would happen to them uh, if, if if one person got in and, 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 and the people on the other side are concerned about what would happen to them if the other person got in. And now the, 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 the elections happen, and, and so we, we know what's happening going through the minds of, of many people in the, in the nation. But the bottom line is that if you're on the Lord's side, who's going to curse you? Who's going to mess with you if you're on the Lord's side? Who's going to denounce you if you're on the Lord's side? The most important thing is not whose side you're on politically. You just get on the Lord's side. You know you're covered and taken care of. Hallelujah. Because the real truth of the matter, if they mess with you, they mess with God. Hey. Like Saul was persecuting Christians, what did, what did Jesus say to him? He said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So, so, so the, 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 the fear that people are experiencing in the nation right now is not a necessary fear. If you get on the Lord's side, the Lord's got your back. And if the Lord's got your back, nobody can curse you when God has blessed you. And, and here's the thing, I want you to be clear about this, that I'm not, I'm not saying that anybody's trying to curse anybody or denounce anybody. I'm not even getting into that. 
But I'm saying if that even were to be the case, if that even were to be the case that somebody wanted to count you out or leave you out or do harm to you in any way, when, when you're on the Lord's side, you just don't got nothing to worry about. Look at verse 34 and 35. Look at the ultimate realization that Peter came to. He, he opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Next verse. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. In every nation. Can you say in every nation? Whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Hallelujah. Now think about this. One of the most beautiful things is that right there in the setting where Peter was willing to cross the line and to accommodate those who were different from him, to make room under the gospel tent for people that weren't Jews. Hallelujah. Look what happened next. At the end of that chapter, if you read it, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost fell. Once again, once again, where there's unity, where, where, where there's the location of unity. In this case here, where there was the accommodation of unity. What did that provide place for? It provided for the Holy Ghost to fall. And he truly did on that group of Italians that day in Acts chapter 10. Hallelujah. Now as we take this one more step. We talk about the location of unity, the communication of unity, the multiplication of unity, and the accommodation of unity. But this very last point I want to make to you is the imagination of unity. You say, ooh, I wonder where he's going to go with that. Genesis 11. Now, the context of this, they're building what's called the Tower of Babel. How many of you have ever heard of that? And so this is after the flood and, and the people are, uh, have not yet necessarily spread around the earth. And somebody got an idea and said, let's go ahead and build us a big skyscraper. But the Lord wasn't in the idea. And notice the Lord's way of thinking here in verse 6. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Interesting. So that in the mind of God, according to God's way of seeing things here, that because the people were one, they were united, and they all had one language. They were all speaking the same thing, speaking the same language, that nothing that they proposed to do would be withheld from them. So what did God do? Well, in this case here, God confounded the languages because the program they were on was Babel's program, or you might call it Babylon's program, and not the Lord's program. But is God against the idea of unity is God against the idea of being one and is God against the idea of all having one language obviously not because look at what Paul said inspired by the Holy Ghost to the church he said in first Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10 you're going to catch this in a minute now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, what's up with this? We see in one scenario that God had a problem with them being one and God had a problem with them speaking the same thing. And now he's saying, I want you to be one and I want you to all speak the same thing. The, well, the difference is, is that the program of Babel was man's program and not God's program. 
But you see, the, the, the program that God wants to accomplish through the church, rather than him looking up to break up the oneness and break up the one language and the one way of speaking, no, he's commanding that. He's encouraging it. That's what he wants us to do. Why? Because just like according to what God said, that, that when this happened, that nothing would be withheld from them that they were proposing to do. Well, God knows that if he can get his plan and his purpose and his agenda into the church and that the church can unify around it and that the church can be one about God's program, God's priorities and God's agenda and that the church would speak the same thing, speak the same language about God's priorities and God's agenda, then in the same way that nothing would be impossible that that the people in Genesis would have thought to or proposed in the same way, whatever we imagine, whatever we see, God given God inspired imagination for the plan of God to be fulfilled, nothing will be able to stop us. And how is that possible? That's possible because of the imagination of unity. Glory to God. You know, the verse in Colossians 2, 2 says that when we're knit together in love, that we can attain to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. Isn't that great? That when we're knit together in love, that all the riches of God, all the riches of his understanding, all the riches and the depths of him are there for us. You know, over in Nehemiah, Nehemiah was uh, uh, taken away in captivity. But he had a heart to get back home and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and was able to have some people working together with him. And I love the wording of a verse in his book in Nehemiah 4.4 where it said, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Did you hear that? The people had a mind to work. When you had a group of people working together, focus on the same project of God. They're dedicated and putting their time in and putting their heart and soul in to getting the project of God done. Nothing kept the project from getting done. The wall was built because the people had a mind to work. Now, talking about the imagination of unity, let me bring you just a, another step here. We've realized that where there's unity, there's power. That unity is a place where the oil flows. We've realized that unity is a place where, where the Lord commands his blessing. They're in the place of unity is the place where the Holy Ghost fell. In the place of unity is even the place where the building got shaken. I'd say that's power. So with this kind of power available to us, look at this verse. Ephesians 3.20. Now, before we read it, you remember the words that God spoke at the end of Genesis eleven six, when he said, nothing that we propose will be withheld from them. Nothing that they propose will be held from them. Talking about the people building the wall. Why did he say that? Because they were of one, uh, of one accord and they were all speaking the same thing. Well, what happens to us when we're in one accord and we're all speaking the same thing? Well, this is the New Testament version of saying nothing that, that we propose to do will be withheld from us. When God said, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Think about that, that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. All he's, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can imagine, anything that you conceive, anything that you can come up with. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above it all according to the power that works in us. How do you get power working in you? Anybody know that question? Well, I think one thing that we've seen today that's been very clear is we have power working in us when we're unified. So when we, when we are unified, that's when the oil's flowing. When we are unified, that's where the Lord commands his blessing. When we're unified, that's where the Holy Ghost got poured out. When we're unified, that's where the building shook. So the place of unity is a place of power. So if we've got power working in us, that's obviously the results of unity working in us. 
If we got power working in us, that's the, that's the result of us being unified and allowing the opportunity for the oil to flow. And what happens in that kind of environment that God is able to do exceedingly above what you can ask or think. God can blow your imagination away. That's the imagination of unity. So I say to you today, it's a choice for us. It's a choice. But as I said to you in the beginning, we have the opportunity to be the answer to Jesus' prayer. That we, his church, his followers, his body, would be one. Even as him and the Father are one. And I think we see the great potential that's available to us and the great things that can happen. In the location of unity, his power flowing. In the communication of unity, that we would pray together, not just aiming at the same target, but raising our voices together with God, to to God, with one accord. We see the multiplication of unity, the fact that where there's unity, there's the right environment for growth and increase to take place. The accommodation of unity, the, the, the position to be in, where we're willing to accommodate and to make room under our roof for all the people of the world, uh, all the nations of the world, people that may be different backgrounds and, and different from you in any way. But, but, but if we got the gospel in common, we belong under the same roof. And the imagination of unity, the fact that God is able to do above what we ask or think or imagine if we've got the power that comes from unity working in us. Let us pray. Father, we honor you. We give you glory and praise. So thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the gathering of believers in this place today. And that your spirit is moving, that the will of God would be accomplished and the purpose of God fulfilled in all of our lives and in all of our midst.